0: All right. Well, Gina Chevalier, welcome to our very first podcast of 2020. Thank you for doing this.
1: My pleasure, Spencer. Always a pleasure to see you and uh, to be here on the podcast.
0: And with me as always is my co-host, Nori Ehrenfeld. Hi, everybody. Thank you for coming. Hello, Nori. So for those of you who are tuning in, Gina is a very well-respected and very well-known probate estate lawyer. I've known her for a long time. I've had the privilege of working side-by-side with her. Uh, both on cases and at the Camilla's house where we uh, run a pro-local legal clinic together. Um, Gina, how are you surviving during this crazy, crazy pandemic? Well, uh, you know, I'm just staying calm,
1: keeping my clients informed and helping them with everything they need. Thankfully, you know, the probate court is still working with us. They're working remotely. Everyone's working remotely. We're getting our orders signed. The relationships that we've built with other attorneys and with the uh, probate court over the years, has really paid off. We're able to get um, things moving. Granted, not as quickly as, as other times, but we are moving forward uh, on most of our cases. So well, that's been very helpful. Well, that's awesome. One, one of the
0: reasons, Gina, we wanted you to be our first guest this year, it's, it's one, because we love you, but also because we felt that given what's happening now, um, probably the most important advice that a lot of people can get is what to do in the event that God forbid uh, a loved one or themselves are in a you know, fatal situation with this virus. And uh, what advice could you give people out there? Uh, what can they do now to protect their rights and protect their property and protect and make sure their loved ones are properly taken care of?
1: So the first thing I would do is, you know, if somebody gets ill or even before they get ill, is take a look at your documents, your estate planning documents, see if you have that in place. Um, Make sure that you have a listing of all of your financial assets for for somebody to be able to determine and quickly get their hands on on that information. Life insurance policies, um, anything uh, related to uh, your business. There should be a single repository or a single area where you can designate that somebody can go look and find out information like, do I have a safety deposit box? Do, um, you know, how many life insurance policies do I have? Do I have any mortgages outstanding? All of that should be, should be listed somewhere. And then make sure that your uh, documents are in place, that you have your will, that you have your trust, if you have a trust, um, that you have advanced directives, you know, things that are saying how you want to be taken care of during the situation. At what point do you want to tell your, your family members, okay, I'm not going to put you through this any longer. If there's no hope, Please, you know, do not continue to try and uh, resuscitate me. There are you know, many different things that can be put in place to make sure that your family members know how you want to be taken care of during your life. And normally, you know, this is a conversation that I would have with clients face to face. But these days, we're not able to do that. And some attorneys are thinking that we can't even sign documents. But actually, we can get these things done.
0: I have a, a special procedure in place now for people to be able to do that. Okay. And we definitely want to make sure that we share contact information. But let me ask a couple more questions. Say, for instance, you you have a family member that has nothing. I have no will. I have no directives. I have no life insurance. I own no property. Um, what, what, What do you recommend under those circumstances?
1: So in those circumstances, at a minimum, you know, they should either a express their wishes to their family so that they know what, what, I want done you know I have no property I have no assets they must have at least a bank account you know make sure that your bank account um, has a uh, beneficiary designation on there and if it doesn't then you're gonna need you know you're going to need to determine whether you want to draft a will for that bank account it's not my recommendation my recommendation would be go to your bank um, or contact your banker and see if they can send you the forms via uh, email or uh, postal mail, and you fill out the forms and you send it back to them with the appropriate ID so that they can um, then designate, you know, you can write in there, who's your primary beneficiary? Who's your secondary beneficiary? One thing that a lot of people don't think about is, okay, I, I put my spouse as the beneficiary or I put my kids as the beneficiary, but what happens if your spouse or your kid also, you know, is affected by this and they pass away? You need an alternate. You need, um, you know, you need somebody else. Unfortunately, with this uh, situation, you never know who can uh, contract it and and what the results of,
0: you know, whether they'll it'll be fatal or not. Gina, what do you recommend for somebody who has a loved one who's already incapacitated? You know, the grandmother's already on a ventilator at at Baptist. Um, what what do you do in those circumstances?
1: So we have specific procedures for. Um, for preparing documents for somebody that's in a facility. But if the person is not conscious, then that will be very difficult and getting, um, if they're in a medical facility, like a hospital, it's a little more difficult to get the, to, to get the nursing staff or, you know, the medical staff there to help us by, because they're the only ones that are allowed in the rooms at this time. So that's, that's part of our problem. Um, that they would need to do like a Zoom video uh, for me to be able to determine what it is that this person needs or wants. Um, if if we can't get that done, which very likely if they're at that point that they're on a valid until later and they're in the hospital, it's going to be very difficult to, um, to draft anything for them. But we can take a, a review. I mean, we can analyze and see what it is that they have in their own name, you know, in the individual's name that's in the hospital and see what we might be able to do. Maybe somebody's on a joint on that account. Maybe there's some other ways that we can fix that um, before the person passes away. And if not, then unfortunately, we'll have to go through the probate process. And um, and that, you know, that process can be, um, it can be a little painful with everything else that you're dealing with, but. Um, it's good to have a, an attorney to guide you through it. Most probate processes will require an attorney. Very few do not. But the probate process would then, you know, we would have to, to look at that and get the death certificate and start that process, which obviously the family would want to mourn a little bit, I, I would assume. And then, you know, uh, there's usually not a rush, you know, right after somebody passes away to get the probate done. It's, you know, you usually wait at least a couple of weeks. My co-host has a question um are there like any limitations back to like the hypothetical of if a client is in like a critical condition as to like how much of what they say do you fully like value you know what i mean like if if somebody's yes so great question so i think you're asking about whether they're they have capacity to be able to tell me what you know to express to really express their wishes so yes that does that does make a difference you know you have to see what medications they're on. You have to see what their diagnosis is. Let's say you have somebody that's in the hospital and maybe an elderly uh, a client. Um, you, we have to make sure that there's no issues with dementia, Alzheimer's, there's no cognitive um, issues. The, the threshold for testamentary capacity is different than the threshold for let's say for making financial decisions okay the threshold for testamentary capacity is that they have to know the nature what does that mean gina testamentary so it means um somebody can have let's let's say they can have the beginnings of alzheimer's or the beginnings of dementia but still be able to execute their documents Uh, they can have as long as they know who their family is and what they have, what their stuff is generally, then we can determine. We can make that determination that they have capacity and they have the ability to exercise um, their wishes and to tell me what those wishes are and we can prepare their documents. In a situation where we have a non-traditional family or we have the possibility of somebody um, contesting the, the documents, it's usually best to have that done in person uh, with all of the witnesses present, uh, and by witnesses present, not family members. So it would have to be me and the individual that wants to make whatever change or whatever wishes they have. Let's say, you know, Spencer wants to leave Nori out of his will completely. Then um, I would need to sit down with Spencer and make sure that he's okay in the head because why would he want to leave Nori out?
0: No. <laughs>
1: but those are the things that I would need to do, and I would make sure that when I'm sitting with you, Sarah's not in the room saying, "Hey, Dad, remember we're leaving Noriel." Right. You know. Uh, so those are the types of situations that it, it's a little more difficult now. If you have a, um, I guess, a non-traditional, or you want to leave somebody out, and um, you know, you have to be aware of what your possible hurdles will be in the future and inform the client, obviously, you know, that this could be a problem and this is how we try to resolve it. See,
0: Gina, I think the services in your area of expertise is needed now more than ever because people are sitting home right now are healthy one day and the next day, you know, themselves or a loved one or both are in an intensive cure. Uh, It's such a non-discriminatory, you know, it affects everyone from every profession, from every walk of life. Um, someone's sitting at home right now watching this podcast and has nothing, no, no, no documents at all. They call you and 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 how do you go about getting it? How long does it take to get these documents prepared and finalized and in, in place?
1: Okay. So it depends a little bit on the complexity of the situation. Uh, you know, this each scenario is different as you know fact patterns on any case are different, but the uh, every family is is different so it depends on what their specific wishes are it can be done anywhere from you know if we have a true emergency situation and we need to get it done let's say that they feel that they're deteriorating and they need to go to the hospital and we want to get it done before they go to the hospital we can get it turned around in a couple of days as long as you know I'm able to have the zoom conference with them I send them the documents beforehand they review everything we would have to send it either by email or um Uh, FedEx or priority mail so that they have it right away um, and make sure that they uh, understand what's in the documents, have an opportunity to ask me questions. And then at that point, what I do is I um, draft everything and make sure that the signature pages for the witnesses, everybody has a separate page and we will then go um, and meet with the client either at their home or at my office in the parking uh, area and we will have the client stay in their car with the copy of the documents that we've emailed over to them. And I will have the witnesses come out. Uh, Everybody's wearing masks. The witnesses have come out with masks. The envelope, that if if anything needs to be handed to the client, everything will have been pre-printed and picked up with gloves. Uh, We will have masks on. And um, the, the conversation is gonna be mostly over the phone. We'll speak with the client. I'll see them in the car. Everybody will be there and we will be talking. We'll have them on speaker so that the witnesses can also see them. And we are able to execute these documents which require to be signed in the presence of two witnesses. Now, there's something else that's called a self-proving affidavit. It's not required, but if you don't have that, later, the witnesses have to go to court and do an oath of witness to will. So what I would like to do is at the same time, we do something called a self-proving affidavit. So I make sure that I have a notary present. So there's a notary two witnesses and the testator or the uh, trustee uh, grantor settler uh, so that we can make sure that all of the documents are executed according to law. And we have minimized any ability for anybody to say that it's invalid due to the execution
0: protocol. Florida is very specific with that. I remember from law school, it was the last time I dealt with this, that, you know, <laughs> case after case in probate and estate class where people had executed wills that were not in accordance with Florida law and you know, their needs and their, their desires weren't met, their, their family members weren't taken care of correctly. So I, I think it's super important now more than ever to have this stuff in place, but also if not more important to make sure it's done right.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And you can't, you know, I I know some people are, there's been discussions, well, can we do a Zoom call and notarize it over Zoom? No, you can't. In Florida, unfortunately, online notarization of wills is not available until July 1st. Uh, After July 1st, we will be able to do that uh, with certain restrictions depending on a situation. If it's what we call a vulnerable adult, so somebody that either, either suffers the infirmities of aging, or um, if if there's any concern whatsoever that that will would be contested, I would not do it as an online uh, notary, you know, an online will at that point. Remote online notarization is allowed in Florida, but not for wills and trust type documents until after July 1st. So that's an important distinction.
0: Yeah, it is. Gina. are you able to tell us how much a basic will would cost somebody um I, I hate to put you on the spot but just to give people an idea of what we're look, what they're looking at in terms of cost
1: well it, it depends on what the scenario is it's usually and i don't usually just do a will i usually do a will maybe a durable power of attorney a health care surrogate a designation of health care surrogate a living will which gives your last wishes for uh if you're if you have a terminal disease or an end-stage disease how you want to be treated um, and as well, a uh, designation of pre-need guardian. So I do that kind of as a package because I think that's protects the client much more than just doing a will, because you need to also be protected in life. And by doing all of these other things, you can avoid a guardianship if, you know, somebody loses capacity or, um, they need, uh, someone to make healthcare decisions for them. And the, for whatever reason, the doctor or the hospital does not want to listen to the person that's with the patient right. or, uh. So those are the reasons that we prepare that. And then I usually, it it ranges anywhere from about 1,000 to 1,500, depending on the scenario. Is that per family? It's per person, usually. Um, If if I'm doing like spouses at the same time, then I will, uh, you know, I can give a discounted uh, price, you know, depending on if everybody's stuff is pretty much the same, and we're doing generally the same thing, and you know, the meeting is held, basically there's a, a, the, the meetings are held uh, almost simultaneously, then we can certainly you know, reduce a little bit there when we're doing joint documents. You take credit cards or PayPal or anything like that? Absolutely, we take uh, credit cards, we take wires, we take cash
0: App. we take all of that stuff. So listen, I think it's fantastic what you're doing. What I've done without getting your permission Uh, is we've offered people a free consultation with you uh, if they're in Florida. Absolutely. Uh, All they have to do is contact you and uh, mention the podcast. And uh, I guess this would be limited to Florida citizens and residents because uh, do you know outside of Florida? So uh,
1: I know I'm only admitted to practice in Florida for these types of things. I'm admitted federally for other things, but for probate and uh, estates, that's very state specific. And you need somebody that is familiar with your state laws because it's not just being a wills and trust attorney you have to understand how certain other things affect it so for example if you have a homestead property you can't um you you can't will that away from a spouse or a minor child what are the effects if you do that um and who you know what are the rights of of the other individuals sometimes people try to do that with deeds they try to add people to deeds not realizing that you know, they're deeding a property away from a spouse or a minor child and you can't do that in Florida. So you create more problems, which is why
0: it's important if to know call, your estate. If someone calls you Gina from Kansas, will you be able to assist them in finding a reputable uh, probate and estate lawyer in that state? Well, I do have a very good network of probate right. and
1: estate attorneys all over the United States um, and actually even in some other foreign countries. So if they can't find someone locally, I'm happy to try and find them someone or try and give them a couple recommendations. So what's the best way for
0: people seeing this to reach you
1: easily and efficiently? They can call my office. It's 305-974-1490. Or they can email me at Gina, G-I-N-A, at Chevalier Law, C H
0: dot com. Beautiful. And Nora, you'll have all that stuff printed out and links below and things like that. Mm-hmm. Gina, God bless you. Please stay safe. We love you, and we appreciate so much what you're doing for our community. Same to you all. Happy Passover. Happy uh,
1: Easter for all the, your audience and everyone who's watching. Yes. And um, everybody stay safe.
0: Thank you, Gina. Thank you, Nora. Thank you. All right. All
1: right, be well. Thank you.